Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Contained herein are the heresies of Radolf Buntwine, erstwhile monk turned traveling medical investigator. Join me as I uncover the blasphemous truth of a plague-ridden world, that ours is not a loving God, and we are not its favored children. The Heresies of Radolf Buntwine, coming January 2nd, wherever podcasts are available. It's time for the Life Writing Podcast with your hosts, authors and screenwriters Stephen Barnes and Tanana Reeve Du. All about creating the project of your dreams while living a balanced artist life. Be the hero or heroine of your own story. Sponsored by LifeWritingPremium.com. Get ready to write for your life. Welcome to the Life Writing Podcast, where married authors and screenwriters Stephen Barnes and Tanana Reeve do talk about writing during stressful times, breaking into Hollywood, and balancing life. Every week, we'll share more tips on how to build a better life while you create your dream projects. Even if it's only at the rate of one sentence a day, life writing is the application of the tools of writing to life and the tools of life to your writing. Hey oh, here we are, another podcast. Hey everybody, hope you everyone's having a great 2023. So it's just the two of us today. Usually we have a guest, but from time to time, we just like to share our own experiences and knowledge with you on the podcast. Well, I think that this is a good time for that because we're stepping across a threshold right now. And we are? Yeah, I would say so. You mean and- you're talking about what's going on? Yes. <laughs> oh, okay. I'm sorry. Look, we okay. paid for that music, so I'm going to just use it whenever use possible. Use it every time. Use it as much as possible. Like we, are crossing, we are crossing over a threshold, something... That neither one of us has ever, well, that's the definition, but still, neither of us has ever done before. Well, it's not just the the thing that we're doing. It is all that is implied by it. So why don't you phrase what is going on in a way that you feel comfortable with? Because, you know, you're, well, you're, you're, I'm the gas, you're the brakes. Jinxes aside, <laughs> because I do think the jinx is real. I think the jinx is real, but jinx is aside. What is the the jinx? I will lay aside my superstition about jinxes to let the audience know that you and I. So what is your superstition about jinxes? Oh, that if you talk about a Hollywood thing, it disappears. Oh, gotcha. Yeah. It just, that's it. It's very simple that you, that (laughs) Hollywood thrives on not talking about it, even thinking about it too much (laughs) until it actually until it actually yeah. happens. That's I know that's just a jinx in my head. I know that's not really real. Although it is a very secretive industry. So yeah. 
part of it is real. Like if you talk too much, you can get fired. But but, uh, but it also thrives on promotion, and people yeah. will take out full page ads on deals that you know they they haven't even gotten a handshake on yet. But I will respect That's your feelings true. about it. So no, why don't you describe what it is that we're going to be doing in words that you're comfortable with? We are about to start working full time. Full-time people. I haven't, haven't had a full-time job in as long as, probably since I was in Miami working. No, since I was teaching it at Spelman College like 10, 12 years ago. We are about to start full-time work in a television writer's room. Uh, I is, am so freaking excited. And it's it's so important in so many ways. I mean, it represents a tremendous amount of work. One might say a couple of decades of playing for position to get into a very specific, you know, slot so that we have the credits and we have the connections and we have that skills all to be able to do this. It's not easy. You know, and no. 20 years ago, I was told that I was too old to do this particular thing. <laughs> and, and I'm, I'm not, I'm not certainly not 20 years younger today. However, no. I do think that what we've been doing is building up our experience and our CVs so that the disadvantages, whatever disadvantages we might be facing, began to be drowned out by the amount of advantages that there was in working with us. So, you know, it's it, it, there's so many different things that are necessary that had to come together here. It had to be the right project at the right time with the right company, with the right right allies. The right showrunner. The right showrunner. That's right. Who sees all us, those things gets came us. Together, and, and as we get permission to talk about this show more, we'll be able to share those details with you and talk about how we got. You know, we've been telling you how we got here. You know, but we'll also want to talk about what we're doing right now to prepare ourselves to walk into that room every day at peak efficiency. Yeah, it's it's a high profile show within genre circles. I will say that it's a genre show. It is not one of our adaptations. You've heard us talk about the pitching we're doing and trying to get traction with adaptations of our own work. That is not what this is. This is an outside project that we've been brought in to work on, could not be more excited. And Steve is absolutely right. That's one of the reasons we decided that the topic for this show should be keeping centered in the midst of the storm, because even good news is a storm in the sense that it is disruptive of your old way. There's a new way now. It'll be a nine to five when we were not working or roughly that. It might as well be the equivalent of a nine to five, even though we have not been doing that in a while. So Positive stress is still stress. Yeah, positive you know, stress it, is and still stress. As I've said many times before, the the problem is when stress comes at such a rate that your system cannot compensate for it, cannot integrate right. And right. when, when that happens, you get strain and it's strain that hurts you. So what we have to do is to be able to, you know, how do we handle this work? How do we handle this pressure and not break? Because, you know, Hollywood and life in general, they pay you for how much stress you can take without cracking. Yeah, we just, this isn't a plug, but I, I'm thinking about it all the time. So I'm just going to go ahead and talk about it. We just watched a terrific series. I thought it was terrific called The Offer. And I believe it's on, if I'm not mistaken, Paramount Plus. Yes. Right? And it's about the making of the film, The Godfather. And I've always been fascinated by the behind the scenes Hollywood stories. The Larry Sanders show is one of my favorite sitcoms for that reason. And in fact, it was such a behind the show. 
Dick Van Dyke show, another behind the scenes in Hollywood. Yeah, that's not a coincidence. I think I'm just, I really thrive on watching the kinds of heroic measures that it takes to get a project on the screen. I think in part, just because it's fun, if it's one of your favorite projects, a movie like The Godfather, but also because it helps you just not take it so personally that you're jumping through so many hoops all the time. Well, if, you know, if the protagonist, Al Ruddy, who was the the producer of The Godfather, was told that what a producer is, is someone who will do whatever it takes to get his movie made. Mm-hmm. Whatever, And we see him literally risking his life and his soul. Yeah, hopefully this, it won't come to done. that. Hopefully, yeah, hopefully it doesn't. But, it doesn't but always that, come to risk, that. that risk was there, according to Mr. Ruddy and according to things that I have heard, yes. that it was not inaccurate, even though it might you know, do a little bit of confabulation. Yes. Uh, which always has to happen in docudramas because anytime you show what happened behind closed doors, you're, you're guessing. If you weren't mm-hmm. there, you, there can't be any, any good reportage about it. What we're looking at is, you know, for what I'm looking at, I can talk about it from my position, then you can talk about it from yours. Absolutely. I, I know that I have had situations in the past where I performed really, really, really well. I've had other situations where I didn't perform as well as I would like to. And what I want is to bring absolutely my A++ game to this situation this time. That I don't want, you know, if if win, lose, or draw, I'm going to know I did my absolute best. And my intention is to write a classic episode of this show within this particular. I've, I've had, I've been blessed enough to write in several different fantasy universes, fictional universes. And I th- don't think it's too much to say that this is a universe. This is an established IP that we are having a chance to play in. It has established rules. It has some established characters, some established thematics. There's certain things that that have to happen over the course of a show in order to sacrifice, in order to, to please the fan base. And I'm prepared to deliver all of those things, but at a higher level. So my intention is to get into that room, to learn as fast as I possibly can to support everyone else in that room and to make sure that the showrunner who hired us never for a moment regrets having made that decision. I want that person to feel that that was the best decision they ever made. And that they hired the perfect person, a perfect people at the perfect time. I'm, I'm with you. You know, I I don't make any bones about the fact that I, I started out as a journalist and from there transitioned to being a novelist and prose writer And from there, you know, really ever since marrying Steve, so it has been 23 years now, it's been a while, the long, slow transition to being not just someone who knows how to write screenplays, but someone who can sell screenplays and get hired to write screenplays. That is a huge bridge to cross. You've already been hired to write screenplays. Yes, we've written What you want is to be hired to write screenplays that get produced and are successful. Well, we've done that. We've been produced. I would consider, yes. you know, having yes. written a Twilight Zone script. That yes. is like a pinnacle That's for right. me. Yes. And also the Horror Noir anthology film. That's correct. I don't, I don't think it found the audience it needed to find. By the way, some of you in the audience don't even know about it. It's a it's an anthology film of Black Horror. Steve and I wrote two of the stories, The Lake and Fugue State. So check that out on AMC Plus and Shudder if you have it. But yes, I agree with you. I mean, this kind of project has the potential to get the kind of buzz we could only dream about with, at least with Horror Noir. That's right. You know, because it is part of established IP, as Steve if, said. If we do this and we do that, let's let's put this, let's change this. 
when we do this. Yes. And we do it right. And as Sidney Poitier said to Blair Underwood, and we and do, do it well. Well. We do it well. Yeah. When we do that, it's going to open doors. And it's going to open doors at a time when you know Hollywood is go- undergoing a lot of a lot of change, a lot of chaos, and that is both problematic and offers opportunity. So what I figure that what I need to do is to just raise my energy level to the highest degree that it possibly can. That I give myself input of a lot of really good genre and non-genre fiction. I be prepared to to learn as much as possible. I keep my ego out of it. I am there to support the room. I'm there to support the show and support the people who have trusted us to get there. And my intention is to make this a massive success. And of course, what happens when you're in it? terrific classroom like this will be. I mean, we have a lot to teach as well. Don't I'm not trying to sell it short. I think we bring a lot to the table, but I am really looking forward to learning. You know, we've done, I've done a mini room for a Marvel project that was on Realm actually for a while. It's no longer there, a Black Panther, Sins of the King project that Steve and I were both involved in. And I've done a mini room as a part of a pitching process where it was not that we had been hired by a network or a streamer, but we were hired by the production company trying to pitch the show, both incredible experiences. And one of the things I love really about screenwriting and TV now more than ever, as I get more and more of a taste for it, is that collaborative aspect. Yes, Working with you is one kind of collaboration, and I've already come to appreciate how great it is to have another lobe of your brain But even in that really, really quick Marvel room, which was literally just a long weekend, the way people's minds moved so quickly and the the rapidity with which those ideas landed and and just blending it all together into a great gumbo, I was like, oh my God, this is a whole other dimension of writing that a lot of writers don't have access to or will never be privy to. And mind you, a lot of writers would not care for you know let's just keep that real i mean not everybody wants to write by committee (laughs) okay whoa that wasn't that funny (laughs) you know it just occurred to me i was just thinking you know i'd mentioned that i was part of the you know one day writers room that we did for twilight zone yes back in the 80s but it just occurred to me i was in another writers room i sure was where the writers room for ice planet remember oh you sure germany you know what you need to Email our agents right away. Let them know. (laughs) Absolutely. I'm going to let them know because we were there in Munich and working on that series. And you're right. The ideas are flowing thick and fast. But I also spent years working with Larry Niven and Jerry Pornell. That They were the senior writers, but I was coming up with ideas and throwing things around. And we would talk structure and thematics and research. And I would turn out the first draft. On it, so that was a different kind of writer's room. But I feel like those skills. You know, when I first did that on that first novel, The Legacy of Hero, it was painful emotionally. I was just getting whiplashed because it, trying to keep up with those two minds. Oh my God, it was like being dragged behind a car. You know, so, <laughs> you know I was in pain. But driving home, I knew that if I could survive this that I would learn things that I could not learn in any school in the world. And it had not occurred to me that one of the things that I was learning there was specifically the brainstorming Yes, in a group. 
that yes. I had, it had never occurred to me that I'd done that. So I'm going to be reaching out to our representation today and let them know, oh, there are a couple of things that I can put out there that I hadn't even thought about because they were just part of my past. They weren't strictly the writer's room where a group of writers sit around, they look at the arc of the season and the individual episodes and they talk about the characters and they talk about all these different things and they hash it out and they work it out and then some of them will go away and write episodes. So that's what we're stepping into. We don't know exactly what our position will be in there, but our showrunner has made some soft promises. You know, know, we we have to show that we're capable of doing it, but he's giving us the opportunity to shine. Yeah, and it's important, I think, for people listening to this podcast, if you're a writer, if you're interested in television – you even might have an opportunity like this. It's so golden to have other people to talk to. I would suggest that if you don't have anyone in your circle who has been a television writer, you should, or even if you do, you should check out our podcast episode with our guest, Nicole Levy, yes. who gave us some amazing information. And she wrote I'll be listening called, to that episode again. The Writer's Room Survival Guide is her book. And, and, That's one way. And I just came back from the Key West Literary Seminar, where it was a really golden opportunity for me to sit down with horror writer Victor Laval, who's also been a guest on the show. And he did talk on our podcast about how he worked his way into screenwriting, because trust and believe there is no one sitting, or at least typically in Hollywood, there was no one sitting around saying, hey, we definitely need to have this author adapt their own work. That is even in in watching the offer, the fact that Mario Puzo got the chance to to write his own script was so exciting. That to me was worthy of an episode unto itself. It's like, oh my God, the writer gets to adapt the script. Hooray! I remember Robert McKee in talking about screen adaptation, he said, basically, you should create a, you should read the book maybe twice and then write an outline from your memory of what you read rather than trying to slavishly adapt the book. You try to take the the emotional moments that you remember. Those are the things that really stood out. And you create an outline from that. And then you build up to that outline. And it isn't until you've created a full outline for it that maybe then you go back and read the book and see if there's some detail or something that will help create the vision that you created there. But the techniques of working in Hollywood and the techniques of writing novels and, and you know plays and short stories, they are related to each other, but they're slightly different twigs on the family tree. Yes. You know, they're, they're, they're branches off of that main trunk called storytelling. So... If you can find people who can either directly interact with you about it or who have written books and articles and essays and things about it, do that. It, 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 is, it is such a common thing for me to listen to people who've never had any connection to the business talking about, oh, Hollywood this, Hollywood that. The ignorance is stupendous. I mean, it's just stupendous. There's so much misinformation about what this entire process is. And if you're going to succeed at this, you need to have an accurate map. Find somebody or find some group of people who have done the things that you're trying to accomplish and listen to what they say about their process. Isn't that what's so fun about this podcast? I mean, whether it's uh, Kayla Cooper who wrote Megan and Malignant or Rodney Barnes, who, yeah. who, who I think he's producing or show running the LA yeah, Lakers. Jack Johnson uh, now. Oh yeah. Now he's doing, he's doing the Jack LA, Johnson. You're doing the, yeah. 
And, and I mean, and there's so, so many championship writers. or forget what. Yeah, I forget what the Lakers show is. We need um, to have the name of the Lakers show, but, uh, but yeah, now he's doing the Jack Johnson show, and these people winning time the rise of the Lakers time. dynasty right. yes yes these people who suffered to get there to living in their car some of them were homeless because they wanted so much to get into Hollywood if you can learn from their pain maybe you won't have to go through the same pain if you can dispel your illusions what we try so hard to do every week on this show is to tell you the truth of how we're feeling, of what we're experiencing, how we are staying sane in the midst of this. I'm telling you, this is stressful. I'm going to be looking at my sleep patterns, how yes. I feel when I wake up in the morning. I'm going to be paying much more attention to what I eat, you know, how I exercise. Okay. Time with my with my son, time with my daughter, and time with my good lady wife to be sure that that we are taking care of ourselves as we go into what looks like it could be the greatest opportunity we've had in our entire career. Yeah, this we cannot. Is no joke. As a podcast network, our first priority has always been audio and the stories we're able to share with you. But we also sell merch, and organizing that was made both possible and easy with Shopify. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell and grow at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage, all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage? Whether you're selling scented soap or offering outdoor outfits, Shopify helps you sell everywhere. They have an all-in-one e-commerce platform and in-person POS system, so wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify's got you covered. With the internet's best converting checkout, 36% better on average compared to other leading commerce platforms, Shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers. Shopify has allowed us to share something tangible with the podcast community we've built here, selling our beanies, sweatshirts, and mugs to fans of our shows without taking up too much time from all the other work we do to bring you even more great content. And it's not just us. Shopify powers 10% of all e-commerce in the U.S. Shopify is also the global force behind Allbirds, Rothy's, and Brooklinen, and millions of other entrepreneurs of every size across 175 countries. Because businesses that grow, grow with Shopify. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com realm, all lowercase. Go to shopify.com slash R-E-A-L-M now to grow your business, no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash realm. Hey there, this is Justin Bartha. I made a funny new podcast, King of the Egg Cream. It has the greatest cast in the history of podcasts with actors like Louis Black. I'm torn by my feelings for two women. Bobby Cannavale. You can eat it. Or if someone hits you, you can put it on your cut. Melanie Linsky. I wonder what these marvelous things are that look just like boiled chicken feet. Jason Ritter. I can break things and pick locks and kill people. Michael Stuhlbarg. The whole point is to inspire people that they should make themselves better. Ari Grainer. No, don't whet its appetite. What are you, an idiot? Me, Justin Bartha. That's not just any egg cream, that's a Lemke's special. And all narrated by the hilarious Richard Kind. This is the story of Harry Dalowitz and how he rose from nothing to become New York's King of the Egg Cream. So if you like funny true stories, come listen to King of the Egg Cream, available wherever you get your podcasts.
And we can already see sort of the ripple effects executives that we're working with on other projects and other pitches are very excited about this yes. because everything that opens a door is just invaluable in this business. And it's a, it's a tough time right now. There are a lot of people losing jobs in Hollywood right now. So I'm very mindful of how blessed we are and how grateful I am that at such a tough time, we're actually getting work. Yes. And part of that is the brilliance with which you, my good lady wife, network. What? You. Helping Mm. people, working with people, because the connection that happened here happened because you were providing a service to the community. Well, we can't talk too directly about No, we can't. But I'm telling you, there is nothing that makes me happier than connecting people, than finding people work, you know, even sometimes if it it might potentially conflict with me, which I have to keep an eye on. And I know you've told me about that. But but I I love. No, we turned down $100,000 worth of work at Christmas time. Because we were already busy and you passed that work on other people who were then successful with it. They sure were. They have a movie now. They have a movie credit now. (laughs) You are helping people, hon, and you're casting your bread upon the waters. So what I would say to people is it is good to help other people, but be sure you're putting your, your, your air mask on first. You know, you're, you're breathing apparatus on first. Put your life vest on first. Yes. Then help the people around you. And, and it will matter. Be nice to people. You don't do, do not know where people are going to end up next year. That's true. That. I mean, Hollywood, the film industry in, in particular, is one of those places where you can almost guarantee that that assistant who is patiently answering the phone and making appointments is going to rise up through the ranks and have real power very quickly. Very quickly. So I'm I'm not the kind of person to be rude to assistance. But if you are that person, you need to check yourself because there, there's no such thing as being rude to people in this business. This business is polite to a fault, at least on the surface. You know, I mean, yes. they'll some, ghost you, but they won't cuss you out. Right, exactly. They will definitely ghost you before they say even a mean thing or even sometimes before they even say no, unfortunately, because they hate to say no so much. But I'd like to draw sort of from a, a recent personal experience I had that to me is an indicator of how I rise to the occasion of extra stress, unexpected stress, good or bad, Right. And also, you know, you and I will both want to talk about the tools that we use to keep ourselves centered and balanced so that we are at our best, that we are thinking clearly, that we're not in a panic. And, you know, I'll I'll just just to delve into a little bit of a personal anecdote. Very recently, my 88-year-old father was hospitalized with COVID. And this was terrifying. What made it even for me, all the more jarring was I had just seen him. And I mean, I had just had a video call with him the day before when he was in good spirits, he was energetic. And what happens when you're 88, and this happens whether it's COVID or a a urinary tract infection, he just loses all of his energy when he's ill. And he almost closes up like a clam and his head is down and he's not interactive. And I remember, oh, He's 88 years old, right? So for days, this is the state he's in. COVID is scary. He'd never had it before. There was COVID throughout the household where he was living. 
And it was at that exact same time where I'm stressed out about that. I'm trying to help family members find home care, healthcare workers for him when he was out of the hospital that I had a short story due (laughs) that I had to write very fast. I had like between seven and 10 days to write a short story that I had very much been looking forward to writing. And there were other deadlines ahead of it. And then the thing with my father happened just as I was settling in to write. And, and if I were not centered, if I were not balanced, that's the kind of situation where you blow your deadline. That's the situation where you're telling an editor, oh, I know I promised you a story. I can't do it. So you're breaking a contract. You're disappointing someone. You're losing an opportunity. One thing I learned about myself during the time I lived in Atlanta, I mentioned teaching at Spelman College. We moved to Atlanta for three years during a time when my mother was ill. And I learned during that time that even in the midst of unprecedented stress, I had the ability to embrace a brand new job. I had never taught full-time at a college. That was my first time doing that. At the same time, I'm meeting book deadlines because that was about the last time I published a novel was, was like 10, seven, eight years ago. During that time, I learned that somewhere I have wired myself so that when I'm under stress, it's not that I become more responsible. I think it's because I write Writing has always been an escape for me. It started as an escape and it's still an escape. So the fact that my father was ill and I was worried about him instead of paralyzing me actually propelled me more deeply into the writing process because I couldn't wait to escape from my real life. You know, it's like, okay, so during the time I'm sitting in here in my office working, I am in a fantasy world where I have complete control and I bang that story out banged it out and but not without the use of tools. So maybe we'll get to that later, but I was wondering Steve, if you can think of a time where you were at your best under incredible I can think of one far beyond the stars. I don't know if that counts for you, but that was you had to write that very fast. You know, I think that I my life has never been the void of stress, but sure. I think that there are, you know, when I did Far Beyond the Stars, I knew I had one month to write a book. That's and a Star Trek novel, by the way. Based Star on Trek it. novel, Far Beyond the Stars. Great episode. I had, a, I had a month to write that book and I needed to get ready for it. So I remember going to Powell's bookstore. I was living in, in the Northwest at the time, went to Powell's bookstore in Portland and did got the research material that I needed. So that when the contract was signed and they sent me the script, they wanted me to adapt. I knew exactly what it was I was going to do. I had the negotiations worked out to be able to create the time and the space to do it. And then I just motored. You did. Um, you know, so it was, but it was a matter of, I knew that the storm was coming. So I had to find the eye of the storm. But I think that, that what I, what I like to do is, Every single day, I have the ritual that I do, my morning ritual, that I do to to center myself, which is, you know, affirmation and visualizing my goals and visualizing my mentors and flooding myself with gratitude. And then and, and at the same time that I'm saying these things out loud, you know, the every day and every way it's getting better and better sort of thing, I'm also moving my body using Tai Chi. So that is why the, the I created the the Fire Dance Tai Chi program because of all of the different things that I do, 
that's the thing that has been most consistent. And with the other courses that we're doing, I can see that with every single one of them, I could create a custom made morning ritual to help people with, you know, who are dealing with, with parenting or dealing with just life in general or dealing with being unable to create the kinds of relationships that they want or whatever that, that there are rituals that you know what you know how someone, someone's going to do in their lives ultimately by knowing what their daily patterns. So if you know, for instance, that you're going to be going into a thing where there's an unusual amount of stress, and that is going to be true anytime you're trying to up your game. Yes. Anytime you're trying to up your game, you are going to experience massive stress. If you know that ahead of time, then don't lie to yourself about it. You say, this thing that I'm doing right now, it's going to be very, very stressful. How, what resources am I going to need to get there? And you look at the hero's journey and you kind of say, oh, okay, I'm going to need new allies and I'm going to need new abilities. By understanding ahead of time, like we understand ahead of time going into this, this new situation, this writer's room, that we're going to need to be our very best. We're going to need new social tools. We're going to need creative tools. We need to walk into that room more sensitive, more balanced, and, and energetic and optimistic with all with our filters down as far as possible, as centered as possible. And that means every day we have to get enough rest. We have to exercise. We have to eat rest, eat properly. We have to make sure to love each other. We have to make sure to to hold on to each other because you and I are two halves of a writing entity and they're going to take us apart in that room and take you in one direction and me in a slightly different direction. And we have to be totally okay with that. It is, I think, we're going to come through this being much better writers and more mature and understand this business and ready to play in 2023 is going to be a fantastic year, but we have to come correct. Yeah, we do. And, you know, it's sometimes when we're in the storm, in the midst of all the stress, that we forget the tools that sustain us, ironically. Like when you have the most reason to be working out, you convince yourself you have the least time. And it's true. Our time is going to have to be managed differently. We're going to have to, we were talking about trying to work out before we leave for work in the mornings, which is a lot earlier than, than I certainly work out. Sometimes I work out as late as 8.30 at night. That's about my limit. Well, we can do that, but we can't do it together. No, 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 no. What I, like I want the idea is for us to be connected. Together. So we've identified several workouts that take between five minutes and 30 minutes. You know, there's yes. yoga, there's kettlebells or different things so that we can really, really get ourselves locked in so that if after we do the writer's room, we get invited to the, the showrunner's house or he wants to go out to a movie or they want to go out for dinner, we're not saying, oh God, we didn't get our exercise in today. We're going to get at least our minimum in every day. Whatever I mean, it was supposed to be doing. It's okay to miss it like a day here and there, you know, maybe not for you, but my yeah. philosophy is my philosophy is it's okay to miss it a day here or there, but you're gonna notice it. Like and if you when you're away, my age, whippersnapper, you'll feel it too. <laughs> Please don't do that voice. <laughs> Please don't do that voice. I mean, it's a lovely voice too, but it's not your voice. But in any case, yeah, we for instance, okay, so I knew that these days at the end of the week, we recorded, you know, obviously before Sunday, I'm sorry to break it to you, this is not live, 
that we would be in preparation mode, not just for next week, which is familiarizing ourselves with materials and sort of gearing ourselves up emotionally, but wrapping up things that we want finished before we get into this new intense experience. So it just coincides with the time I'm doing some editing and revision on my novel, The Reformatory, that comes out in June. And my editor was like, can you have this done Friday? Which which is like four days. And ordinarily that would be a very stressful question, but it just so happened that, yeah, actually I would like to get that done before the room starts. So that's about perfect for me. And I'll just find a way to make it happen, period. And there's a lot of other little stuff here, a little stuff there. I have, to, I have to make changes with how I teach my UCLA course and move it to the evenings. But rather than being frantic about it, I just feel it like ticking off of my brain, like this has to happen, this has to happen, just do it. Just boom, 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 boom. But the way I can stay centered and approach it that way is the tools that I use. So for instance, in Key West, I was not able to work on my kettlebells and I had my Oculus Quest with me. I, there's a, those of you who have the Supernatural app know that that's a great workout app. It also has great meditation in Supernatural. I didn't even do that, but I was walking three miles a day. It's a walking city. And I figured, okay, so for these days, my walking is my physical exercise, gets my endorphins going, keeps me loose. If I'm not going to do a full yoga, then at the very least, I want to do a sun salutation, which if you don't know what that is, check it out on YouTube or images. Really, a video would be better, but it's the most basic sort of getting in touch with your body. A back bend and a forward bend is like the simplest way to explain it, touching your toes and, and not touching your toes, but touching your mat just to get, I I feel stress in my body. That's how I can tell when I'm stressed out. I get this tightness in my lower back. I get tightness. And what do you call it? The girdle area, honey? Is that what we're talking about? Okay. You're talking about your low back? My lower back and then the front area. That's oh, the yeah, girdle. your pelvic girdle. The pelvic girdle. I get you know, tightness there. Well, so. look, the, the Hawaiian Huna suggests that our bodies are like black bags where we're storing unprocessed emotion. So it is perfectly – and I think that I've heard yogis make the comment that you know, you're only as old as your spine or that your attitudes and your spinal flexibility are connected to each other. Mm. And there is some truth, I think, to that, that when we're afraid, we build defenses. Quite yes. often. I think that, and we, we lock, we lock in, we have emotional scar tissue and it stores itself in our body. And in becoming more flexible, we have to let some of that go. So it's, there is a body mind connection. We can discuss some aspects of it. There is a whole somatic psychology discipline. There's, you know, 6,000 years of yogic psychology. There are attitudes about this that relate in the martial arts and so forth and so on. And one of the things that I find interesting and kind of sad is that a lot of the psychological techniques that people need in writing and the arts can be found in the physical disciplines, you know, in, but not the Western physical disciplines. They're found in, in things like yoga and martial arts and, you know, things that have to do with dealing with fear and changing your identity and, you know, staying balanced under stress and so forth and so on that, that sends so many artists to the bottle, you know, or drugs or into dysfunctional relationships because they can't handle their emotions under stress. If you know ahead of time that you're going into something that's going to change your life, anticipate you're going to need stress coping mechanisms that are beyond what you've used in the past and go out and find them. Yes. And and don't forget, so there's the the mental ones, which is the meditation, absolutely essential. You might have tried meditation and you don't get it. You don't like it. I I started meditation by putting my fingertips together and feeling my pulse. I still do that sometimes. 
to try to help myself go quiet until I can feel my heartbeat in my fingertips. Some people don't need to do that to feel their heartbeat, but I find it helpful to hold my fingertips. Together. I think that most people do. I mean, you, either the fingertips are touched, their pulse point, their wrist or on their neck. And until they get the, the pulse, then you relax enough to be able to feel the pulse without touching one of those things. There are people who believe that you cannot feel your pulse without without taking it at your wrist, whatever. They are wrong. You can. You simply need to be more relaxed and more centered than most people get. So there, the heartbeat meditation was called Anahata meditation. I, I picked that up from Sri Chinmoy. I might have learned that from you. you know. Oh, you might. <laughs> so, so some people do mantra meditation. I know Steve does affirmation meditation and visualization meditation, and, and all of those are helpful. But it, sometimes you just need the, the feeling, the heartbeat and emptying your mind meditation, you know, like trying to think of nothing. If a thought comes to you, you kind of just don't get mad at yourself. Like, ah, I'm not doing it right. No. Just relax and let it float away. Let the thought yeah, go. If you're not observing yourself, you can simply observe the thoughts. If you get mad, what's happening is you're observing yourself, observing your thoughts. And as soon as right. you go down that rabbit hole, there's no joy. You know, there is no joy in observing yourself, observing yourself, observing yourself, observing yourself. It gets to be this recurring hall of mirrors that your ego uses to stop you from simply being in the moment and seeing what's there. Yeah, it, it, It's like, you know, the problems that I had in the martial arts, I was afraid of certain things. That's not a sin. My problem was that I was afraid of my fear. I was, you know, right. I judged myself. Instead of just being with my fear, I I thought I let myself be a sh- feel shame and guilt and worry and all these other things so that I could not stay in the moment. In the arts, whether you're talking about a martial art or a a fine art, what matters is being in the moment with what you're doing, being spontaneous with what you're doing, which is why you have to get the basic skills of your craft at unconscious competence so that you can do the look ma no hands of riding a bicycle. You can't juggle while you're riding a bicycle until riding a bicycle is second nature. Then you can start thinking about juggling. Everything that we're talking about here is, you know, how ordinarily people will kind of say, well, either you have the skill or you don't. I don't believe that that's true. I think that I'm not saying that there is not skill. I'm saying that there are so many qualities of mind that can be developed over time. So you might hear our son in the background from time to time. So no biggie. This is a family affair. I'm not as good a meditator as Steve in the sense that I'm not as disciplined and I don't apparently go as deeply because sometimes he'll come out of meditation talking about visits he's had from people. And I'm definitely not having that, (laughs) not having visits and conversations. But if I'm lucky, I can be calm and centered. I also have something I call a snowflake meditation. This is something I usually do on Supernatural because it's visual and I can actually see little falling dots that look like snowflakes. And I taught myself to see those snowflakes as sort of external stresses and the emotions of other people. And I would tell myself that I can see and acknowledge those other emotions and those other stresses, but they're not touching me. So staying calm, that's literally like staying calm within the storm. I'm aware of the storm. My head isn't in the sand. I'm not ignoring the storm because you don't want to be disconnected. But at the same time, I personally have to work on not being too swayed in one direction or another by external stresses. That's Maybe I'm a little bit of an empath or whatever it is. I don't know. That's kind of my thing is like trying to stay centered 
while I'm surrounded by the stress of other people. And I, that's something I have to work on. And I fall away from it. You know, when things are going well, like I'm saying, when you get busy, things are going well, you you release and let go of the, the very tools that helped get you to that place in the, in the first place. So that's the mental piece. But absolutely do not forget the physical piece. This is huge, huge, huge. It's not just about like how you look and weight loss. I mean, some people like to use that and dress sizes and wanting to be glamorous and wanting to look a certain way. And I won't say that that I don't have some of that. But as I get older, I am much, much more interested in how my body feels. Yes. I'm much more interested in not being stiff and in, in having joint mobility See, that's and a energy. Fitness and health. Energy, you yes. Know, fitness impacts how you look. Health is how you feel. Right. You know, how do you feel when you wake up in the morning? How do your joints feel? How's your optimism? How's your sex drive? You know, how's how's your just generalized feeling of, of feeling good? Whereas fitness is, you know, how much can you lift? How far can you throw and stuff like that? How far can you right. run? How fast can you run? So if you differentiate between those two and you understand that you need to work on the middle skills to be able to have your emotions going the right direction, and the way to do that is to ground yourself in the physical then this is why the the fire dance program was designed to be able to you know every day if i can touch bases with all those different aspects of my life then i know that no matter what happens to the rest of the day i'm on track i'm going to be able to i'm staying in the in the center of the cyclone there's stuff that's happening but i'm still me so you know we we work with that and there are people who are writers and they're people who are just business people and their parents and their martial artists that that working on these things is what we do and the other show that i do the live zoom show that i do that you can find out about stephenbarneslist.com but what i'd like to invite people to do is to check out the fire dance program if you're a writer if you're interested in writing make sure to take care of your whole being no matter what you are and what your interests are there's something in there's something for you in creating a, a morning ritual that connects body mind and spirit and you can find out more about that at firedancetaichi.com firedance t a i c h i.com hey you know what let's we happen to have a firedance tai chi student in the studio who wants to give a testimonial welcome <laughs> tell us all about firedance why, yes, I will. It's me. Sorry, it's me. I am, I guess you would call it, originally I was sort of a reluctant Tai Chi student in the sense that I've been watching Steve do it for 23 years <laughs> and had zero interest in learning it. You know, it's kind of like Steve does martial arts and Steve does Tai Chi and that is like the world of Steve. And I have, over time, he's been wearing me down, you know, so the yoga I started practicing, he was doing kettlebells. He got me a kettlebell for my birthday and he wore me down with the kettlebells and I started practicing. He finally got me with fire dance Tai Chi because I mean, we're married and, and in spite of that, or maybe because of it, I am a nervous practicing Tai Chi with him in person. It's not the advantage to have the, the coach in your house that you might think it is for someone who's a little bit performance shy, like I am, because the voices in my head are saying I should have progressed faster and farther by now, you know, and all this kind of thing. So it's a digital download course, which I love. And every module progresses and, but there are different modules where I like maybe the angle where he's going all around his body, or I like the angle where he's focusing on the footwork, or I like this class because of 
whatever arbitrary reason, and I go back to the same ones over and over because it's digital download and because I can take it at my own pace, I am actually learning Tai Chi. I'm not a standout. You know, I'm not like one of the best in the students or, or one of the most, like my son, Jason, who's 19. He just turned 19. He does it beautifully. He looks, I mean, to me as his mom, he looks like a God <laughs> when he's doing it. He does it with his own kind of stank on it. And he has yeah, he does it his way. That's him right there. But, but he also has a great memory for physical motion. And it's been very interesting to me, never having been, say, a dancer who learned choreography or anything like that. I'm only now realizing I don't have a great memory for physical motion. I really need to sort of tie a story together to make sense of these movements so I can remember what the next one is. But that's okay. Everybody has their own way of accessing it. Not only is it okay, you're going to get overloaded. And there is an advantage to doing something that is a little confusing and complex and trying to stay calm in the middle of it. I mean, frankly, isn't that life? Isn't life a matter of constantly learning, dealing with complexity and trying to keep your center in the midst of it? So the fire dance system is a beautiful metaphor for our lives. And it's a, it's, it's a by the month, you get a lesson and just go to firedancetaichi.com and check it out. We think that you will be delighted. We'd love to have you in that community and meet you live. If you actually, if I actually went into all of the benefits of Tai Chi, it sounds like hyperbole. I mean, you can look, medical associations will talk about health, like literal health benefits, not just joint mobility. And of course, there's the emotional benefits. I I already see the difference. And so I'm really happy to have added it to my yoga practice. I do yoga about once a week. Steve says I should do it more often. I'm sure I will as I need it. I'd like you you doing it three times a week. Of course you would. And I also, (laughs) I, I try to do some kind of physical workout every day, even if it's just walking. But for me, a real workout is kettlebells, the body action system where I'm boxing and hitting something. That's, oh, I love that so much, way more than I thought I would. But Tai Chi is definitely a part of my new practice. And just as I first started practicing yoga, when we moved to Hollywood all these years ago, because I wanted to transform myself into someone different, my Tai Chi practice is a part of helping me sustain that level of energy and be firmly centered in the storm for this new person that we need to be for all these new great opportunities that are unfolding, just starting with this writer's room. But I know it's also going to lead to other things. So yeah, definitely check it out at firedancetaichi.com. Okay, well, that's our show for today. That's our show for today. Thank you. I've actually got a student coming over in a few minutes. Absolutely, there's a student coming over for Tai Chi, a Tai Chi lesson. (laughs) That's not the first time that's happened. Hey, that's what happens when you're married to the teacher. But everyone, thank you for listening. Please go on out and make yourself the hero or heroine in your own story, the hero in the adventure of your lifetime. Bye, bye, everybody. You've been listening to the Life Writing Podcast. Join us next time for more conversations about creating the project of your dreams. For more information, go to lifewritingpremium.com and get ready to write for your life.